DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80, The Zone. PK, yeah. there's blue skies. It's warming up. It's time for baseball. So we're bringing in John Pessa, author of Yogi, A Life Behind the Mask, about the legendary Yankee catcher, Yogi Berra. John, good morning. John, good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Thank you, John. <laughs> Yak is pushing buttons like there's no tomorrow. How about this one? There's no tomorrow. That would suck. John, how you doing? Still good. Okay. Well, Yak is going to work on that, and then we'll get back to John. <laughs> <laughs> nice laugh. <laughs> I'm ready to go. <laughs> I know, right? Yach has now picked up the phone, and he's checking all the connections in the back of the phone. And to do that, he's got to kind of stick his head into the computer. That's a pretty good look, actually. Oh, man. Uh, is Was Yogi your dad's guy living right there in uh, in Jersey, not that far from no. uh, Yankee Stadium? Was he, was he all about the Giants, the Dodgers? The uh, my father was a hardcore, hardcore Dodger fan. Yeah, all the way. So there's no way Yogi could be his guy. Took off work September 28th, 1955 to go see Game 1 of the World Series between the Brooklyn Dodgers and the New York Yankees. And uh, the starters for the Dodgers were Don Newcomb and uh, the starter for the Yankees was Whitey Ford. How do I know this? It's because I told uh, my I've told my family because my father told me that story of 1955 taking off work and going over there to the uh, he I think he bought one ticket he went by himself and my daughter got a poster of the game and I've got it hanging in my wall right now I'm looking at it the 1955 World Series of Brooklyn Dodgers versus New York Yankees game one pitchers Newcomb versus Ford September 28 1955 1:30 p.m. And it's got a team photo of the 1955 Yankee uh, Dodgers, the Dodgers, because he was a Brooklyn Dodgers fan all the way, and he was Irish, so he had no particular connection. Uh, growing up on the other side of the family, uh, they were hard, hardcore Yankee fans because the Yankees had uh, the Italians, uh, DiMaggio and Rizzuto and Berra, uh, and later on Joe Peptone. Uh, but uh, those guys were the, the heroes, I think, because they had the they had the ethnic connection there. Uh, my father was a hardcore Brooklyn Dodgers fan, and he said often that that broke his heart that they moved, that they they left to, to to come out to Los Angeles. I can only imagine what that was like. So, and I told you, he grew up in East Orange, which is right next to Newark. And he was a big fan of the Nork Eagles, which was the uh, Negro League. And he used to tell me about Monty Irvin and some of the players that he saw as a young teen going through the Nork area. And Nork and East Orange, as I say, are right next to each other. So it was only a few miles away that uh, he was able to see those players play. And if you look at it, uh, East Orange was heavily a minority area with uh, with black folk. And so the that was his crowd, so he was naturally drawn to the to the Negro leagues. But uh, Yogi, Yogi was a a, a, a larger than life character uh, because you know he had the whatever you want to call him, the dumb sayings, the 
you know, we both made a vow that uh, each of us would, uh, you and I, will go to each other's funeral, uh, you know, so you can laugh at that, you know. I'll go to your funeral as long as you go to mine. You know, I mean, obviously that doesn't make sense. Uh, Nobody goes there anymore. It's too crowded. Yeah, so there's all sorts of those stories. But uh, you know, it's, 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 an, it's an incredible story, him and uh, Giorgiola, literally growing up right across the street. I've walked that street in St. Louis. Uh, they both grew up and lived the dream. Yeah, yeah. And actually, Gargiola was viewed as the much higher prospect. He was signed early. Now, he was, I think, uh, close to a year younger than Yogi. But he was signed first by the hometown team in St. Louis. Uh, there was no draft, obviously, in those days. And uh, Burra, it took a while. Burra, Burra quit school so he could be a ball player. He had to convince his parents and his father was not interested in that. His father was an immigrant and thinking, you're not going to make any money playing a game. You need to get a job to support your family. And uh, Barra wanted to play ball. And he had, I think he had three older brothers. And they, maybe even four older brothers. And they helped lean on uh, their father to get Yogi to allow him to quit and to play Legion ball. And to do that, and they had to get the priest now over in the the Italian section of uh, St. Louis, it's called the Hill. It still exists today, and you 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 walk in that community, and it is as good as a quote unquote little Italy as any place that I've been. And that me being half Italian, with my mother being a full blood Italian, I obviously had to draw to that. And so when I've been to St. Louis, I've been over there. And the church, St. Ambrose, where they all went, is right in the center. Uh, and uh, So you have, have to, to get pri- the, the priest to lean on dad to get him to play? To allow him to quit school, yes. He had no interest in education. <laughs> and uh, his argument was, I know how to read and write, and I can do basic math. I want to play ball. And uh, they, the dad, didn't really understand baseball. I think his name was like Pietro or something like that. Didn't understand baseball at all this is where you can shine and puff out your chest guess what sport he knew soccer of course he did (laughs) coming over from italy Uh, so that's what he was into if he was into anything it would have been that so yogi did get that permission and he played played legion ball and it was a big deal legion ball i mean they had literally national tournaments and uh, finally, uh, for the sum of uh, like five hundred dollars, the Yankees signed him. Five hundred bucks, and they get a guy who wins like ten World Series. Yeah. <laughs> who ends up be... playing with Mantle and DiMaggio? <laughs> yes, I think it was like a five hundred dollar bonus, but the bonus was stipulated that he had to be on the team at the end of the season. So he's worried about that. And he was on the team because the, the bonus would have paid off his father's mortgage. They bought the house uh, for like $2,000. And, and he allowed, uh, he had enough left to, to the bonus, enough left on the mortgage that that would pay it off. But he was on that team. And then, then he went into the war. And then obviously had to come back and work his way up and do his thing for the Yankees. So, And funny that Gargiola was viewed as the much 
better prospect, but obviously Berra had the much better career baseball-wise. Now, Gary Giola went on and did a whole lot of other stuff. Gary Giola, the, Lennon and McCartney were on The Tonight Show one time together, and The Tonight Show host that night was Gary Giola. Uh, back was, when they had the guest host sitting in. Yeah, he was the one who did the interview. Yeah. And he had game shows that he did, and then he was on one of these morning shows, right? Was it NBC? So Gary Giola had this prolific career that went way beyond baseball to them. So two guys, I mean, literally right across the street, right across the street. And these guys went on to just do incredible things. On the other end of the street... He bought a house there, was Jack Buck. Down the street, probably about 20 houses down, Jack Buck lived on that same street too. He didn't grow up there. These two did grow up there. And the Burra house is still in the Burra family. I, th- I want to say his niece or his nephew or somebody still lives on that street. Uh... Because when I went by, obviously I, I've seen this firsthand. When I went by, uh, they had uh, like a, a marquee almost on the front yard, very small front yard. But this is this is Yogi Bear's house, uh, and they had a, and, and one of these driveways that you'll see them like in Sugar House, where they have a long driveway not connected to the house, and, and the garage be, is all the way at the back of the property. Precisely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and, I had an aunt and uncle who had a house like that. Right that, right. that was very common, I think, if your house was built right after World War II. Yeah. So they had that, and in that driveway was a Yankee golf cart that was decorated uh, for there. And it was a summer day when I was there. And uh, so you could see, and then they have plaques in the sidewalk. And then you walk across the street, and there's a plaque in the sidewalk. Actually, there's two. Garagiola's brother, I forget what he was, but he was, he had some type of athletic accomplishment. I don't, I don't know what it was. I have to, I'd have to look it up. But there's one for him, and then there's one for, this is where Joe Garagiola lived. And then down the street, at the beginning of the block, if you're coming from the, uh, from the church area of the hill, uh, there's a plaque for Jack Buck in, uh, on the sidewalk. So, not a bad street. I've pretty much given you the entire Yogi Bear story. We're going to have this entire <laughs> one. <laughs> uh, the, uh, the interview with Lennon McCartney was in 1968. They hadn't broken up yet. They were at the height of their fame and power. What a get. Did you know that? No, I did not. I looked it up. I had no... I knew that Gary Giola had done The Tonight Show back in the day somewhere. I, I knew that. I had no idea he was guest hosting and they had Lennon McCartney on. I had, I had no clue on that. Yeah, how about I knew that? He, I knew he'd done a bunch of game shows. He'd done To Tell the Truth. When I looked it up, it, it said Sale of the Century, too. I never watched that, but I saw To Tell the Truth. So, yeah, he was, he was a versatile guy. And, uh, and then Yogi was just the, the quintessential baseball guy. Yes. And so, Garagiola, so in the, in the Catholic Church, they'll have infant baptism, right? So, St. Ambrose is the church. Still there. Still going strong. And it's right in the heart of the hill section, which is the Italian section in St. Louis. Garagiola was baptized in that church. So he did all his Catholic ordinances in that church. Uh, 
he was married in that church and his funeral was held at that church even though the funeral he had he had long since left i mean he was at the time of his death he was living in the phoenix area because he his son uh joe jr was working for the diamondbacks i think his son works in mlb now some some office but he was working for the diamondbacks and joe would be like a saturday i think they had him on saturday night home games he would do uh color commentary for the diamondbacks so he died in the phoenix area but they went back had the funeral at the same church that he was married at that's sort of cool well Yacht cannot figure out the technical difficulties. He's tried everything, including cursing at the phone. That didn't fix it either. Good try, though, Yacht. Well, was John, so I was talking to him kind of off the air, and he's like, well, maybe radio signal just didn't want to get infected because we're out here in the epicenter on Long Island. So he was joking around about it. We're going to reschedule him for tomorrow, hopefully. All right. Well, hopefully we'll be able to talk to him tomorrow. So you think you're going to have that work phone working by the time Steve Cleveland comes around at 9? Because uh, Steve Cleveland has dropped golden Michael ho- Jordan stories two weeks in a row. And I don't want to be cheated. I'm hoping and praying, but it's currently not looking promising. So we'll see. All right. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And now, attention, top of the wire on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Former Bengals quarterback Andy Dalton agreed to terms of one-year deal with the Cowboys after being released by the Bengals late last week. He's got a base salary of $3 million, could make as much as $7 million. He lives in the Dallas area during the offseason, played his college football at TCU. Bears declined to exercise their fifth-year option on quarterback Mitchell Trubisky. Bears drafted Trubisky second overall in the 2017 NFL Draft. He's set to compete with veteran quarterback Nick Foles for the starting job in Chicago this season. As ownership support for grows for the idea, Commissioner Adam Silver and the NBA Board of Governors continue discussions Friday about delaying the start of the 2021 season until December. According to an ESPN report, amid the coronavirus pandemic, the NBA's thinking and planning has progressed on the idea independent of whether the 2019-2020 season resumes and is completed, sources told Adrian Wojnarowski. Top of the Wire is brought to you by Syringa Network. Syringa Network's home to complete business telecom and IT solutions backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communications for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Would you have foregone money for free food? No, because I was getting free food. Jeez, man, I was... Oh, dude, the mic's on. <laughs> man, I'm 20 years removed. Everybody was getting free food of some sort. Oh, man. So there were some places where you guys knew you could go and get a free meal. Yeah. Were you careful not to abuse it, or were you just wrecking no. those places? Yes. <laughs> I know there's a couple places in Logan. I like how you're trying to put this back on me. <laughs> I'm sure the voice would get some free grub, too. Uh, I've not gotten any free grub, so... You recognize this? Sam freaking Merrill! <laughs> Sam, I am. Oh, that's a steak. What the hell just happened? What the hell just happened? Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jay Drew with the story over the weekend and the Deseret News about the independence of what if there's a conference-only college football season? What then? P. 
PK, there are so many scenarios out there, and all of them are legit. I don't know that I give any of them more than about a 10% chance of happening just because of the sheer volume of the different scenarios of what could happen, delayed season, starting on time season, full season, pushed all the way back till spring. And I guess if they do have to contract the season down to eight or nine or ten games, I crack up at the thought of conference games only. Well, some conferences are playing eight and some are playing nine. The people who are playing eight games, if you can play nine, they're going to find a way to play the ninth game. If they can find a way to play the tenth game, they will. Every game is more money, and we've read a gazillion stories about ADs trying to buy the bu- or trying to balance the budget. So I think there's there's a chance it'll be a limited schedule, conference games only. But even that will leave a window for some non-conference. And it would seem like one of the many things that would come out of that if it happened is. Maybe Notre Dame would finally play that game in Provo that they owe BYU from that first two-for-one. When they went independent, BYU announced a pair of two-for-one deals. I don't, I don't see that the second one's ever going to happen. But they've already done the two trips to South Bend for the first one. Maybe, maybe on short notice, this will be the year that Notre Dame says, well, we might as well come to Provo now. Uh, before we get to that, uh, Dolphins Hall of Fame coach Don Shula reports that he died this morning at age 90. Wow. So put that out there. A legend of the game right there. 347 wins, career wins, most in the NFL. Coached the only perfect season, two-time Super Bowl winner. Uh, 1968 NFL, says uh, NFL champion, and also a four-time yep. coach of the year. He coached so. He coached the uh, Colts, the team that lost to the Jets. He was the coach of that team. So he went to four Super Bowls. And it would have been, what, four Super Bowls in six years, I guess. Yeah. So put that out there. Uh, <clears throat> had a restaurant here in Utah, so I met him when it opened. Did an interview with him. Uh, so did a lot of members of the Salt Lake media. Um, had a ton of football stories. A life in football. I once chatted him up in a Holiday Inn in Fresno, California. No. <laughs> that sounds like an ad wedding to happen right there. Yeah, he was sitting, uh, sitting there, and there he was. Was he opening a restaurant in Fresno? I, have, I don't remember. I yeah. have no clue. It was long, 20-plus years ago. You just looked there. over, and that's Don Shula. Yeah, and he was there. He was sitting there eating by himself in the hotel restaurant. I was obviously, I was there basketball or football. I can't even remember which one. I'd been there for both. So uh, let's let's keep it football. I was there to cover a football game since we're talking about football. Uh with Don, with Don Shula there for whatever reason that he was there, so he passes away this morning at age ninety, uh, and that that'll dominate news cycles today because he was a coaching legend, obviously. Uh, you know the thing about this here when you talk about that Notre Dame schedule, uh, for me, I think if BYU wants the biggest bang for its buck, it shouldn't demand a game in Provo or even ask a game for Provo. Put it in Vegas, put it at Allegiant Stadium. That that I mean that's BYU's uh, home away from home, having played there so many times. Uh, for uh, that, that's probably uh, if you go out of their own stadium, they probably played in Vegas the most, I would think. You know, excluding Utah, obviously, uh, but I'm talking about away from the the state because go, of the bowl go, games plus the games at UNLV. Yeah, yeah, I would think that that would add up. 
because they played there what four years in a row, whatever, whatever. Bron Bronco got the program. Back. Yeah, if you go, are you going all time or recent? What do you? Because if you go all time, I mean, back in the day, they were in the same league and played Colorado a bunch of times, and all the games with CSU must be. Yeah, Denver but I'm figuring with the, the bowl game. But I could tell you, man, they they, they saved that Vegas bowl. And uh, it was, obviously, it was floundering. It was floundering. It, it literally was, yeah. And then they they went in there. Did you talk to that uh, Tina Kunzer Murphy or Murphy Kunzer? I can never forget. I never Best thing that ever happened: getting BYU five years yeah. in a row. Right. I mean, they just the, the people flocked down there. There's just no doubt about it. So, play it in that stadium. I think that would be tremendous for both programs. Uh, even better, even better than playing in Provo. I think you would get a big-time national uh, run for playing in that game. And if th- this deal here comes to pass, and we don't know what's going to happen by any stretch. No one does. But if they have the opportunity to, uh, and maybe not opportunity isn't the right word, but they're forced to alter their schedule, uh, I think people will understand this year uh, it's a one-time deal, and if you have to just go, even if you have to play some of these independents twice, I think Liberty and New Mexico State played each other twice. Somehow they that did. was thought of as a, you, you don't do that whatsoever. And I think Jay Drew quoted uh, the Liberty AD or the New Mexico AD, or I'm a baseball guy, and so we're used to playing series. Uh, and so. one of them pointed out, oh, the Packers and Bears play twice a year. It hasn't exactly ruined those teams. I know. We do it in the NFL every year, with obviously within your own division. Divisions. You play each other uh, for a total of six games with 14 divisions, and so the, the world rolls on. I, I think that everyone would understand, and I've been saying this about sports in general. If the NBA comes back with some sort of, um, uh, I don't think convolute is the right word I'm looking for, but uh, some format that is just drastically different than anything that they've ever done, I don't think anybody cares because we'll have sports back. I was thinking about this. You know, you go in places like Ohio State and Alabama. Their spring game, they sell out. It's a joke, but that's what they do, and that just indicates the passion that those people have. Well, if Utah and BYU, say for whatever reason here, in uh, the end of this month or June, the NCAA said, okay, you could have uh, 10 practices, and the 10th will let you play a game. There'd probably be 30,000 people who would go to that thing this year. And they would never get that under normal circumstances, you know. You never know what the weather's like in late March, early April around here. This year it was pretty good. But I've been in spring uh, games uh, at both stadiums where the regu- you have, you're in shorts and the other one you've got a parka on. You know, you never know. And obviously if they moved it now, the weather would be better. But people are just starving for this stuff. So whatever configuration that we have the college sports, especially in our community, college football, because the two things that rock are college football and the jazz. Obviously, they're the number ones and number two things that we have going on. And if you had any form of that, people would be going crazy It would because it would, it would also would be indicative of so many other things that are allowable to go on in our world that we're all starving to get back for. So if we had that, that would just be one indication that uh, uh, A, B, C, D, E, F, G stuff, whatever, that's it's, it's normal too. So I think if BYU gets a funky schedule this year, 
people will say, okay, yeah, we'll deal with it. It'll be fine in the short term, and then we'll catch it back up. I don't know that that's going to happen, and I don't even know if there's a funky schedule that they just have to exclusively play the independents. Because as you pointed out on television last night, there's that deal with the Notre Dame situation in the ACC, and if the ACC is going to allow Notre Dame to play whomever, well, that creates an opening for maybe BYU to Schedule some ACC teams if they have to do it on the fly. If you're only playing conference games and someone plays Notre Dame, then there's essentially 15 ACC teams. That's what you brought up last night on Talking Sports 2. This is just like the Pac-12 needs BYU on Thanksgiving weekend because Notre Dame is at Stanford or at USC, and you don't want to give somebody a bye. If they're playing conference games only, that means they've already eliminated Game 12. They've already eliminated Game 11. Maybe they've eliminated Games 10 and 9. Maybe not. Who knows if we're talking. When you say conference only, I don't know if they're going to play 8 or 9 or 10 games. They're going to try and play as many as possible. And once you get down into that 8, 9, 10 region, I don't think anybody wants to buy at that point. At that point, everybody's looking to get one more game. And I found it interesting that some of these stories talk about, well, no one's really talking talked with BYU, you know, when you're talking with New Mexico State or Army or Liberty or whoever. Well, if they're saying that, that means BYU's talking to somebody. I mean, Tom Holmes is not sitting down there doing nothing, taking a nap while the rest of college football plans. So he's probably talked to the two people, uh, Notre Dame's AD and the head of programming at ESPN. Those are the two people that BYU needs to align themselves with. And then wherever Notre Dame, if Notre Dame's playing a Big Ten game, then there's an extra Big Ten team that needs a game. If they're playing a Pac-12 game, if that's some of what gets salvaged, if the Pac-12 is trying to hold on to TV money, they're not trying to cancel the Notre Dame games. The Notre Dame games are big games. They're cash. They're huge. The networks want those. So I think BYU will come out of this with something that's representative. I, I just can't believe if they're shortening the season, they're going to be giving people buys. I don't know which random ACC, Pac-12, or Big Ten team it might be. You know, BYU's schedule might have to be recreated on the fly. But why in the world? The networks want games. The schools want games. They're not going to leave somebody sitting by the side of the road just because. That doesn't make any sense to me. So... I realize things could get completely jacked up this year. You know, plan for the worst, hope for the best. There's no reason to give up hoping for the best. We all know it may not happen, but you might as well allow yourself the possibility something good is going to happen. And I think even if things get just all turned upside down and it's on short notice, they're still going to be looking to plug BYU in to play at 8 or 8.30 or whatever on a Saturday night on the however many Saturday nights there are games. And they're launching an ACC network, and they need games for it. And so the schedule may get turned around, and BYU could end up playing somebody we never thought they were going to play. It, it could be some random, I have no idea. You know, who knows? It could be Virginia and Bronco. <laughs> who knows? You know, it depends on how short a notice they have to juggle all of these. I think the only way they play 8, 9, 10 is if they think we got to we got to get the season in and get the playoffs in because the second wave or the third wave or whatever. I don't know, whatever some doctor or medical person tells them. And after that, it's going to be hard to play. Then they'll just crunch in a short season. Or, you know, if they don't play in the fall, it gets to the spring and they're up against the NFL draft. They may have to shorten the season there. Those are the two scenarios where I see them playing eight, nine, or ten games. Otherwise, these guys are going to play 12 games. They need the money. 
Especially if they have to play without fans or if they have to social distance so you can't have, you know, 80,000 people in an 80,000-seat stadium. You can only have 25 or 45 or I don't know. Whatever the rules are. Whatever makes sense at the time. You know, they're going to be looking for every buck. So, I think that, you know, worrying, oh, no, no one's going to play BYU. .001%. Worry about something else. You think anybody was worried about that, though? I mean, I'm not. I'm not. I don't know. I, I don't know. I can't speak well, for whatever you thinks. How you hanging on? Where are you? <laughs> I think you're fine. I think you got a thousand things more important to worry about than that. I think BYU is going to play a bunch of football games this year if everyone else plays a bunch of football games this year. I don't think, you know, the whole, it's conference games only. What will the independents do? Um, they'll play pro- high-profile games on TV. That's what they'll do. Yeah, I, don't, I, I didn't sense anybody worrying about that they wouldn't actually play games that they, they would have a, a buy for their I, season. I, I just think that the schedule may not be the way it stands right now. Yeah, but they'll still have opponents to play. How about this? How about six home games against Notre Dame? Six road games against Notre Dame. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Twelve-game series. <laughs> yeah, that would be awesome, working. man. It, I did think, I wonder if it really got, you know, if things really got messed up, would they go home and home with Notre Dame? I mean, if things are just, I think you know, the best case scenario, you can like the for. whole schedule's just turned upside down. I still think that everybody who has Notre Dame on their schedule is thinking, especially the teams with home games, when they have say, Notre yeah. Dame coming into their stadium. Uh, how do we save that one? <laughs> they will go to any length. But if I'm BYU, I don't need to play them at home. I could play them in Vegas, and it would be just as good, if not better. Yep. That, it, yeah, absolutely. I, I've always thought, and uh, I hope Tom Holmes chased this down. He probably, you know, I think you have to chase these things down ten times before they actually happen. I always thought BYU. I've told Yak this multiple times, and Yak's like, "No, not this one again, DJ." But your point is well <laughs> taken on this, even though it BYU is, uh... and Notre Dame play every year on conference championship weekend when there aren't a lot of football games, right? There's uh, what are there, 10 leagues now? Are there 10 leagues playing conference championship games? Yeah. And and one of them is on Friday night. Usually the Pac-12 has been Friday night. Maybe there's two on Friday night. And so you've got networks with windows. Why not a BYU-Notre Dame game? And you get to play a 13th game if you don't play in the continental U.S. So play in Hawaii one year. (laughs) Vancouver, Toronto, and Montreal all have domes. Go play there. There are Notre Dame fans and BYU fans who will pack every one of those places. And go. Uh, Notre Dame isn't going to do that. There's, what's, what's the incentive of doing that? 13th game. You need that 13th data point in case you're tied Why? with another one-loss well, team. Uh, but then, but suppose you lose that data point. <laughs> I think they should play it in Dana Point. Ooh, there's no way. You know, Dana Point's a little too, you know, a little too highbrow, a little too hoity-toity, a little too upper. They're not dealing with the traffic, PK. You know they're not. Well, you do it on a way yeah, up. It's Notre Dame. And South, you Bend's, a, you in the, sand- South Bend's in the middle of nowhere. And the, tra- <laughs> the traffic, you better get there early coming off yeah. that, whatever that freeway is yeah. coming down from Chicago, as I've done. So anytime you got Notre Dame involved, there's going to be traffic. I, I don't see any reason why Notre Dame would want that game. And they're already finishing their season with a high-profile game. And then the next week, Notre Dame doesn't need any more high-profile. Notre Dame is the highest of the highest profiles. They're, they're bigger than anybody out there. And, and whether you know they're good or not, 
whatnot remains to be seen in an individual year, and things have changed to a degree, but they still are the number one college football program. They're not going to schedule that. There's no advantage for them to do that. If they're if they're twelve and one or eleven and one, they're in. They don't need any more high profile. They're in. Are you thinking a sand football game at Dana Point? What do you got in mind exactly? Dana Point High School. <laughs> Is there really a Dana Point High? I don't know. <laughs> Come on, man. Well, you were down there in Pedro. You were almost there. Uh, that whole yeah, Dana Point, uh, the whole southern Orange County beach scene there, is, that's, that's, that's a bunch of gazillionaires down there. Yeah, I, I, Mission Viejo, whatever. I, 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 <laughs> Mission Viejo. Saddleback Community College. <laughs> I know where that yeah. is. I've been to that. I've been to Saddleback. Isn't, isn't Saddleback in Mission Viejo? It's, it's close to there. it if it isn't. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's down there. It's yeah. right up on uh, on the hill overlooking the freeway. You see yeah. the yeah, yeah, yeah. sign and the lights and all that stuff. Right. Yeah, it is in that area. So, yeah, they're play, playing at Saddleback. But but Data Point, which sounds cool, close to Dana Point. That's why I said that. But Wordplay. That's a concocted idea that I don't see where Notre Dame would ever want to do that because they don't need any more publicity. They've got all the publicity that they could possibly handle. For them, it's just a matter of are they good enough in a given season and to to get themselves in position. Anytime they're in position, Notre Dame is going to get the benefit of the doubt because they bring – the most eyeballs. You talk about a national program. BYU likes to talk about them themselves being a national fan base. And to an extent, they have it. But put that times whatever, and that's what you get with Notre Dame. And maybe I'm bringing in my biases here because everyone has biases. Uh, anyone who says they don't have a bias is an absolute liar. Never believe anybody who says, A, it's not about the money, and B, I don't have any biases. Not true. Well, if it's about the money, more money for that 13th game. But they don't need it. It's just, they, that, that's the whole point. People do stuff for money even though they don't need it all the time, PK. Not Notre Dame. <laughs> 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 they, they, they don't, they, they, every cent that they get from that contract is theirs. <laughs> no one has ever said, boy, if Notre Dame could just get more money. <laughs> <laughs> All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Coming up next, the play of the game. You need to know it to win fabulous prizes at 450. And Yach has come up with an idea near and dear to PK's heart. We will get to that. I already know what it is. We'll get to that next. Stay with us. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. And now, your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealer's strong play of the weekend. Now and they're in the stretch, it's Secretariat, Secretariat on the outside to take the lead, Sham holding in second, it's Secretariat moving away, he has it by two and a half, Sham then on the outside, our native, at the wire it's going to be Secretariat, he wins it by two lengths. First 
Saturday in May. That's Derby Day. We should have had the Kentucky Derby on Saturday, but we didn't. So for the play of the game, we go with the legendary Secretariat's victory in the Kentucky Derby. Know that today at 4.50 on the big show, and you can win fabulous prizes. You saw that one coming, didn't you, PK? Yes, I did, David. Thank you very much. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. <laughs> PK's back from the bathroom break. <laughs> yeah, I am. <laughs> yeah, we just play, I just talked to you and you weren't there. I had to go, man. I figured. <laughs> Yak, Yak is lining up Steve Cleveland because our phones aren't working. It's been a crazy 8 o'clock hour, people. <laughs> and so he's got Steve Cleveland lined up on a Zoom call. So I'm watching him work that out. I'm talking to you about the Derby and then nothing. So you know, <laughs> I just finished your side of the conversation. I knew what you were going to say anyway. It doesn't matter. <laughs> the, the, not the, You went to Kentucky Derby? Yeah. Secretary wins the Derby. That's the play of the game. Know it at 4.50 today. Yeah, I figured that's obviously where you were going to go because the Derby would have been Saturday. It's the first Saturday of like, uh, the month of May. Like I said, I, I said all these things, PK, because <laughs> I knew what you were going to say. It was it's funny just, to have him play both sides of the coin on this. In September, right? Is it is it uh, Labor Day weekend? Yeah, it's going to be Labor Day weekend. September 5th is when it's scheduled That's for. the goal. Yeah, that is so funny, man. We're going to have such an overload. Hopefully... Hopefully, right. we want right this. Here. This is right something here. we really want. Knock on wood, baby. Knock yes. on wood. Oh, yeah. amen. We'll have, we'll have the first big weekend of college football, theoretically, hopefully, if all goes as scheduled, and the Derby. Just like in November, we'll have a full weekend of NFL football and the Masters. Sweet. And to which people, people, people would ask me, oh, what's CBS going to do? I'm like, well, they're going to televise the Masters. <laughs> That's a no-brainer. We would do everything. Give that. I think when the schedule comes out, we'll find there's some AFC teams that have a bye, and there might be a couple of AFC teams playing on Thursday night, and a couple more on Monday, maybe a couple on Sunday, yeah. and uh, maybe the one thing they could do with the Masters is they could send a couple of AFC teams to London, and CBS could do a London game in the morning before they go running off to do all the Masters stuff. So, well, maybe play the Masters in prime time. I don't know how late it's sunny that time of year in, uh, oh. in Georgia. Well, put in lights. Night golf, man. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. <laughs> I, I can feel guys at Augusta having a heart attack right now. <laughs> it's like, it's night golf at Augusta. Yeah, everyone. Hey, we got some orange and, and pink golf balls. Use these. They'll really show up. I draw the line on moving the Masters to the West Coast. Well, the Rose Bowl went to uh, North Carolina one year. World War II. Yes, but I know. And I wasn't happy about it at the time. <laughs> you weren't even alive. <laughs> you weren't but, happy about it at the time. What are you, like 90? <laughs> yeah, that's why I got to go to the bathroom so often. Clearly. <laughs> I can handle, and I just we just talked about this in a prior segment, any type of configuration that you got going on out there, I can handle it. But the Masters is the one thing that you're playing at this same place every year. So they move the other golf tournaments around, and they move everything moves around, right? I mean, the, the neutral sites, uh, the Super Bowl moves around. And, and even if, if this year, if uh, the weather for baseball and they 
push it back. So, you know, there had been talk about playing into December. Mm-hmm. And so then you need to play the World Series at a neutral site where it's A, either a dome, or B, a, a dome in warm weather. Right, yeah. Which would be the best of have a dome in warm weather so you can have it open if you can. If not, you can close it. I would be totally fine with that. And if BYU has to play somebody twice and their schedule gets all – uh, discombobulated, but they're still playing football, and in the Pac-12, somehow the, things change, whatever it might be, I'm fine with that. But you got to keep the Masters in Augusta, or else there's no Masters. Everything else, and you know, they've been talking about, oh, is it going to be an asterisk? Who cares if there's going to be an asterisk this year? I don't, just give me something. I don't care. I don't even care. Keep score. Just give me something. It's, to me, the, the fact that sports would be back, that's the celebration. That's the, the Maybe this year will be finally the year that I've been trying to preach where people just take the outcome of sports way too seriously. Just the fact that they're playing and competing, men, women, children, whatever it is, I don't care. Just the fact that they're out there doing whatever particular thing that they're doing. It's, your, your RSL comes back. I'm going to be doing cartwheels, and I don't care. But the fact that they're back, yes, and they're back playing, whatever they're playing, and they're running a horse race, whatever. That's cause for celebration unto itself. Richard tweets at us, the Masters to Rose Park. <laughs> <laughs> Why not the Masters to, like, Nibbling Forestdale, you know, and just, just carts oh. driving Tiger and Phil there from 7th <laughs> East to 9th East. Because they only have nine holes, though. Yeah, but you play nine there, and then you get in the cart, and you get the ride over to the other one. Oh, sort of like they do with the north and south with Tory and See? then the other, the other courses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but they don't do that in the middle of the round. No, they don't. They don't. <laughs> Have the blimp up there getting shots of the cart as it goes through 8th East there. All right, DJ and PK. So, Yach has jury-rigged something with Steve Cleveland. Yach, have you made this happen? Something's going on with the phone and We're the board. We're going to find out. So, that's not happening. So, you got him on Zoom? He's. I can see him right now. So right. Let's but see. can you hear him through the board? And <laughs> Hold on, here we go. Let's, are we going to try this on the air? Let's try this right now. No, that's the goal is not to try it on the air, Yak. The goal is to have it work when it gets on the air. <laughs> We're, like I said. All right, it's the Steve Cleveland pregame show. Let's see if he can hear. Hey, Steve. Hear me? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> not great, but better than nothing. I'm going to the bathroom. Again? What are you, 90? <laughs> Tell me more about the 1942 uh, Rose Bowl game in Durham, North Carolina, and how Duke hosted it, PK. All right. Awesome, man. (laughs) I heard a little bit of Steve. Did he hear us? I can't believe we're doing this, Jacques. I can hear you. Nice, and I can hear Steve. So Steve Cleveland's coming up next. Stay with us. It's DJ (laughs) and PK. Why do I think the phones are going to work when Lloyd walks in here at 10? It's just just me. All right, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.